0: you'll go with me to Matthew chapter 26. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm used to it being just a little bit more lively, all right? So let's shake off the nine, whatever o'clock, 37, and let's clap our hands to the Lord and shout to God with a voice of triumph. Think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. My soul cries out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Amen. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 1. I'll do my best to just read through this so you can be seated. And uh, we'll preach it here in a minute. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the feast of the Passover and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. And assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people under the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas, consulted that they might take Jesus subtly and kill him. I will pause to to ask you to pay attention to what's here today and what we're reading. Listen to what it's saying. The high priest, the religious people, the spiritual people, supposedly, had gathered together to talk about how they might take Jesus subtly and kill him. Real religious. Real spiritual. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. We've got to maintain our, our religious good name. We've got to make it look like it's a good deal. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, look where Jesus is. There came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. And when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? I won't stop here, but there's a message right there.
1: For this ointment might have
0: been sold for much. Oh, you're so spiritual. Somebody's worshiping Jesus and you're criticizing it. It could have been given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? She hath wrought a good work upon me. For you have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body. She did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever, this gospel shall be preached in the whole world. That's what we're doing here today. There shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went into the chief priest. You know, all the religious people that were gathered. Judas slips out and goes to them. Said unto them, what will you give me? And I will deliver him to you and they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. I want to talk to us today about building memorials in the face of dysfunction. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. God, speak to us today. Let your word come forth to us, Lord, unhindered, Lord, and let it accomplish what you want to do in us today as individuals, I pray, God, that you would be glorified and exalted and your people would be healed. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today. You can be seated. This chapter is very, uh, I guess, incredible to me because it's 70, I think, three verses long and uh, it's one of the more notable chapters in the entire Bible because so much is compacted within this one chapter. Here the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people, all the religious leaders of the day, the upper echelon, you might say, uh, all gathered at the palace of Caiaphas, the high priest, and uh, they consulted that they might take Jesus subtly and kill him. Um, This is actually the spirit of Antichrist still working. You know, when Jesus was a baby, they tried to kill him. They tried to take him out because uh, they sensed, uh, Herod sensed that he was the Christ, and he wanted to kill him as a child. And uh, here it's at the end of Jesus' life, and they're still trying to kill him, take him, but they wanted to do it subtly and they literally hated jesus they hated who he was they hated what he taught they hated what he stood for they hated everything that he was but they had to look like that they got along with him because he was always up in their stuff up in their grill we might say and he was messing with them and he would always call them out and call them vipers and he would see through their plots and their schemes and, and expose them for who they really were. Uh, and so they were upset with him. They wanted to get rid of Jesus and, and they said, uh, we got to get rid of Jesus, but not on the feast day, because if we do that, we're going to cause an uproar among the people. And then when Jesus is dead and gone, we're going to have a bunch of angry people on our hands. Amen? The leaders were more concerned how violating the Passover would affect the people than they were about killing Jesus. Let me say it again. They were more concerned with how violating the Passover would affect the people than they were about killing Jesus. Your thinking can get really twisted up if you're not careful. If we're not very spiritual, we get carnal, we can start thinking crazy thoughts. If you're willing to kill Jesus, what, what's the matter with you? If you're willing to come against him, it's something that should be a red flag to us. If you're willing to kill Jesus, what's it matter what the people think? They wanted to appear blameless because they observed the law while secretly trying to murder grace. Let me say it again. They wanted to appear blameless because they observed the law but they were trying to kill grace. Can I tell you that same antichrist spirit is in our world? There's a dysfunctional spirit that is alive and working today in our world. There are people that literally don't accidentally work against God they want to kill him they want to take him out of government they want to take him out of your home they want to take him out of our schools they want to take him out of everything because they want to kill him it's very dysfunctional I don't know about you how it affects you but it it wearies me to go through my day and hear these things coming because it goes against everything that i stand for everything i believe in amen why would you want to kill the very one who has the ability to heal you to save you to bring peace to your troubled mind, to take you off of that anti medication, to take you off those alcoholic drinks and drugs uh, and those things that you depend on to make it through your day. That's what they were doing. Jesus was going about healing people and putting things together and they wanted to kill him because they really didn't have the answers. They just wanted to look like they had the answers. Our world doesn't have the answers Uh, they just want to look like and sound like they've got the answers. Hallelujah. Oh, not on the feast day. We've got to look good. antichrist spirit you know what it's very easy to spot how do i spot this antichrist spirit it works very closely with a very religious spirit because the agenda is the same want to kill jesus threatened by him threatened by truth because it exposes their error I'll tell you how you spot it, it doesn't care to kill Christ and it doesn't care to offend Christians. It's working today in our world. As long as it doesn't offend anyone who is a non-Christian, it's okay. The leaders were more concerned how violating the Passover would affect the people than they were about killing Jesus. If you're willing to kill Jesus, what matter? The people think. A lot of it's happening today under this religious cloak. Isn't it amazing that...
1: Well, I won't get
0: into it. The second area of dysfunction is this. Judas Iscariot, one of his very own, was seeking out the chief priests to betray Jesus. Jesus was getting it from without, and he was getting it from within. He was seeking out the chief priests who were also conspiring to kill Jesus but they wanted it to look good. What better way for it to look good than to have somebody on the inside who wanted to do the same thing? They betrayed Jesus. He sells him at 30 pieces of silver. Then the Bible says that from that very moment that he came into covenant with the chief priests, he sought opportunity to betray Jesus at the hands of the chief priests and put, them, put him in their custody. Jesus sits down with his disciples at the Last Supper. We're going somewhere, so hang in here. I've got to describe the dysfunction so that we can see the beauty that happens in the middle of the dysfunction. Jesus sits down with his disciples at the Last Supper. They're having communion together. And it's revealed to Judas that Jesus knows he's the one. Remember? Who is it, Lord? And Jesus very subtly tells him, It's the one that's putting their hand in the sup with me. He knows. Jesus foretells Peter's denial. He said, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me three times, Peter. Jesus then goes to Gethsemane. He's preparing for the crucifixion. He's about ready to lay his life down on the cross. He prayed and he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. His sweat was turning into blood under the duress of the pressure of the cross. He took his disciples with him, Peter, James, and John. And he went further, and he went further still and asked them to pray with him. But they fell asleep because, well, I guess it was just too much to ask. There was a lot of dysfunction going on around Jesus. And uh, he began to pray in agony. And he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Let, Let this weight, let this pressure, responsibility pass from me. Amen. And he came to the disciples and found them asleep again. This happened three times. Jesus finally said, Sleep on. My betrayal's at hand. Judas then kissed Jesus as a sign of betrayal. And Jesus is apprehended willingly, of course, amen, of uh, the high priest. And one of the disciples, presumably Peter, took a sword and cut off Malchus's ear. Amen. And uh, Jesus reached down and picked his ear up and put it back on his his head. He said, Peter, put your sword away. We're going to live by that. We're going to die by it. dysfunction. I wonder if Jesus looked around at this moment, and he's got Judas standing in front of him with 30 pieces of silver, standing on the other side of the line. Got Peter cutting people's ears off. He was really trying to cut his head off. I've spent three and a half years with you guys and this is what we got. (laughs) This is dysfunctional. Jesus questioned by the high priest accused of blasphemy spit upon. I'm talking about Matthew chapter 26. All this is happening. He's spit on, he's beaten. Peter denies him three times. Immediately, the cock crows, and Peter remembered Jesus' words, and he went out and wept bitterly. I can't think of a more bitter thing to experience than to deny Jesus. Yet, even in the face of that dysfunction, Jesus still loves. You talk about a roller coaster ride, one chapter, 75 verses full of monumental events, life defining moments and occasions, things that have now defined those involved for centuries of time. We still talk about Peter's denial, we still talk about Judas's betrayal, we still talk about all of these things that happened. But there's one story in this chapter that supersedes all the other stories and that's more defining than anything in this chapter, at least according to Jesus. And it's found in verse 6 when Jesus comes into Simon the leper's house. And yes, even this story has dysfunction. Jesus is in the house of the leper Life is full of dysfunction, folks. Amen. I know we're not shouting and jumping off the pews today, but I've come to tell you that we live in a world full of dysfunction. We live in a world that's trying to kill Jesus, trying to kill his thought, kill his effectiveness, kill his working rise up against the work of the church and the kingdom of god progressing forward and it's right around all of us and and if we're not careful we can start looking at the dysfunction and start being dictated to by the dysfunction and even in our personal lives there's dysfunction i'm sure that i could pass the microphone around today and we would hear some stories that weren't all perfect we've had some stuff happen this week that just didn't make the top 10 list not everything's perfect in our world there's a lot of dysfunction there may be some family trouble that came up this week maybe you had some stuff on the job that you weren't planning for it's dysfunctional anybody know what I'm saying anybody relate to the fact that there's dysfunction in our world it's all around us if you're waiting for the perfect day to worship the Lord uh, it's probably not coming Uh, If you're waiting for the perfect circumstances to be all around you and the warm and fuzzies to be in you, you might worship the Lord one day a year. But there's some dysfunction in real life. There's people that disappoint us in real life. There's a Judas to disappoint. There's a Peter to disappoint. People you pour into disappoint you. I might be talking to somebody here. Your child has disappointed you this week. Your spouse has disappointed you and let you down this week. I don't know, but there's dysfunction. Yeah. We're surrounded by it every day. Jesus is sitting in the house of a leper. And a woman walks in surrounded by the dysfunction, surrounded by negativity. She's got one thing on her mind. I don't see the dysfunction. I don't see all the problems I had to wade through to get here today. I'm not gonna let anything that's happening on the outside. I don't care what happened at Caiaphas's house this week. I don't care what Judas decided to do. I don't really care what Peter decided to do. I know what I've come in the house to do. She walks in with that precious bottle of ointment, that alabaster box. The Bible says it was very precious ointment. Spikenard or nard is the true word that describes the oil, the perfume. Extremely costly. Extremely valuable. Possibly represented her life savings. Probably years of salary in those days. 300 denarii. Mary, the Bible says, found Jesus sitting in Simon's house and the disciples around and Judas was there and and everyone was around her and she said, I don't care what you're here for. I've come for one reason and that's to take the thing that is most precious to me and find Jesus in the house and pour myself at his feet and my oil over his head because he's worth to me in spite of the dysfunction uh, I've got one thing on my mind and that is to worship him this ointment and perfume was so rare the bottle in the box was made of alabaster stone it's like marble they preserve the aromatic uh, aromatic integrity of the perfume. The box represents the flesh or the heart. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. What's issuing out of our heart today? Complaining? Murmuring? Or is there some precious ointment in it? Is there some worship in there that says, I don't care what's going on around me. I've come to give Jesus my heart today. I've come to give Jesus my worship today. Valuable. Nothing compared to this anointing oil. It's handed down generation to generation. Used for the most special occasion in one's life. Usually the wedding, a burial, or to be held as a precious heirloom in the family. Only designed and intended for one use and one occasion. And as Jesus said at dinner, the Bible says that she broke that box or that bottle and poured that oil over Jesus' head now look what happens just because she decided to worship the Lord did not erase or dismiss the dysfunction it only attracted more spiritual Judas rises up and says oh what is she doing wasting this oil Don't you know this could be sold and used to feed the poor? What purpose is this waste? Don't expect everyone to appreciate your devotion to the Lord. Don't expect everyone to be impressed by your level of devotion. But can I tell you this, it doesn't matter if you appreciate it or not, he's still worthy. She wasn't there for a show. And she wasn't there to be seen and applauded by men. She was there to get the attention of Jesus and she poured the thing most precious to her over his head and said, I have finally found the one thing worthy in my life uh, to break the most valuable thing I possess. She poured it over his head. And while the disciples saw what she did, they had, the Bible says, indignation. They were angered and annoyed by what was perceived as unfair treatment. What purpose is this waste? This perfume was worth a lot of money. Could have been sold and given to the poor. Jesus said, why are you troubling her? She's done a good work upon me. The poor are with you always but I'm not always in the house with you. In other words, you better seize the moment that I'm in your presence. You better recognize the opportunities that you have to worship me and to pour your worship on me. You're going to have poor following you always. You're going to have people needs to deal with always. But I'm in the house today and I am in your presence. Don't miss my opportunity and your opportunity to worship me over the dysfunction that's going on around you. Of course, there's nothing wrong with feeding the poor and helping the needy but not at the expense of ignoring Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Corinthians 13 tells us we can do that. What good does it do if I feed the poor, or give my body to be burned, if I don't have love, if, I, if I'm not in relationship? Worship must always take prior, priority over works. Let me say it again. Worship must take priority over works. Many of us get our validation through our works, but we better understand that we're really validated only by our worship. Works have their place, but they can be void of true worship. If we're not careful, John identified this heart issue in John 12, 6. He said this, he said, not because he cared for the poor, talking about Judas uh, in this uh, uh, scenario at the house where this lady busted the uh, box and poured it on Jesus. Uh, He said uh, uh, this, he said, not because he cared for the poor. Judas didn't care for the poor, but because he was a thief uh, and he had the bag and he bare what was in the bag. We see Judas' true motive when he went and sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Judas had a money problem. Judas had a greed problem. It was all about Judas, how much was in the bag. Oh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't worship Jesus. You shouldn't be doing that. We could do this with that money. You see, his heart was all messed up. He wasn't caring about the things he should have cared for. The Bible says, uh, and John calls him out, he said, he's really a thief. He doesn't care about the poor or Jesus. So here we have a an extreme dichotomy of situation that's going on. Mary is pouring out her life savings in worship in uh, a reckless abandonment of herself uh, at Jesus' feet. Uh, and at the very same time, Judas is criticizing her for doing it. <laughs> you know what? We could have the same thing going on in this house today. Don't you care about anybody's opinion but God's. Because people may not appreciate your worship, but he's still worthy. Oh, that's lavish, that's extreme. They're radical, they're nuts. That's part of the goofy crowd at our church. You just have to excuse. No, that's part of the people that are worshiping the Lord because he's worthy. It can go on in the same house, right in the middle of all this chaos, right in the middle of all the chaos, chief priests seeking to kill Jesus, Judas criticizing Mary, plotting to betray Jesus, Mary breaks the thing most precious to her. Because she recognizes this moment for what it is. And she pours it on Jesus' head as a lavish act of worship. And all the notable and memorable acts of this chapter. It's Mary's worship that causes Jesus to single her out as the most notable. He said, verily, in verse 13, verily I say unto you, that wheresoever this gospel is preached in the whole world, This woman's memorial is going to be this that she has broken this thing and poured it on me. And wherever the gospels preached, she's going to be recognized as a worshiper because she was not willing to hold anything back but pour everything she could on me. And I count that as a memorial. And she's worthy of recognition because she's chosen the most important thing. Jesus said this woman's worship has defined her above all others. Amen. I don't want to be defined by some kind of act of kindness or some great work. Thank God. Whatever we do to help people great. But what we need to be known for is that we are a worshiper of the Lord. And he is worthy of our worship. I will stand one day. And there will be an epitaph read. You will be recognized and remembered for things. But at the top of the list, let it be that they were a worshiper. They were a worshiper. Jesus told the woman at the well in John chapter 4, the father seeketh such to worship him. It's spirit and You know what the Lord's looking for here. He's not looking, and please, this is no disrespect. He's not looking for one act of service, one thing that we can do. Not right now. He's looking for somebody that says, you know what, I recognize he's in the house. And I recognize that there's nothing I have worth holding back today i'm going to break everything i am i'm going to break everything i have uh, he's worthy of my lavish worship he's worthy of whatever i t- choose to give him it can't be too much because he's too worthy amen it can't be too it can't be too lavish because he's worthy of whatever i can bring him he's seeking worshipers People who spare no expense worship him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mary. A Mary. Is there a Mary in the house? Are there Marys in the house? Are there Marys in the house? Amen. Who in the face of an antichrist society, criticism by others, in the face of religious criticism, who will say, I am not moved. By your criticism he's worthy I'm not just talking about in this service I'm talking about in life and in our society that you're not a, you're not ashamed to be a worshiper you're not ashamed to be identified as one that's radical in your worship to the Lord why because they don't matter it really doesn't matter what's going on around me it doesn't really matter what Judas thinks we should have done with my worship uh, amen I've got a reserve for him and I'm going to pour it down on him today Marys that refuse to hold back their best break themselves for and pour themselves out. Worship supersedes their service. Recognizes the special moments in time when Jesus is in your house. Jesus is in your day. It's not just in the church house today. I believe the Lord shows up in our cars. He shows up at the house. Amen. Amen. And sometimes we can be so surrounded by dysfunction that Jesus is just standing there and sitting there in our house uh, and we're so busy dealing with the dysfunction, dealing with the Peter, dealing with the Judas, dealing with the Caiaphas' house and dealing with all the junk in life and dealing with all the oppression that's coming through our world uh, and the system we live in uh, that we miss moments uh, where Jesus is just saying, I'm here. Is there a worshiper in the house? Uh, Is there somebody That recognizes who it's not about Simon, it's not about Judas, it's not about Peter, it's not even about Mary, it's about me. I've missed him, I hate to say it, I've missed him several times. I confess to you, I've been too busy, too bogged down, too distracted by dysfunction. But the times I have recognized it and taken the time to break myself over Him and pour out worship are times that I'll never forget. I can remember like yesterday in my first our first house. It was a small ranch, just a little cracker box deal. But I remember going into one of the spare bedrooms that I used as an office and just got lost in God. It was a very hard time in my life, but I focused on him in that moment. And you know what? All the dysfunction just sort of faded into the background. And I can stand here today and remember, I can still remember the tear stains on that old brown recliner since in the trash but the tears and the memorial live on why because in the middle of all the dysfunction there was a moment that was seized yeah Jesus is in the house today and if you can Separate yourself and look past all the dysfunction. I don't know what you walked in here today with. Distractions and situations. And bills and family and work and pressure. Not to mention all the trash that's going on in our world and the dysfunction. Who would have ever thought we would live in a world where people hated each other? hated good and doers of good. That's in your Bible. Despisers of good. Yeah. But I'm here today to say there's one in the house that supersedes all dysfunction. And he's looking for somebody that's saying, I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to build a memorial. We're not doing it to build a memorial, but it's going to be recognized as a memorial by the Lord because he seeks such to worship him. Any Marys in the house willing to give it all, risk it all, be misunderstood? Brother Wade talked to us last week about God said, I'm bringing a sword. You know what he was talking about? Th- there's a dividing line. You're going to have to choose who you're going to worship. Worship the opinion of people. He said, I've, I brought a sword against father and mother and son and daughter and all these different relationships. Of course, we understand he's not saying, I've come to, to split up families. No. He's saying, I've come to make sure you know you've got to make a choice. Does your worship draw criticism? Do others deem your devotion as too radical? Your expression too extreme? Your giving too lavish? Anybody ever had the enemy talk to you and say, you know, if you didn't tithe and you didn't give like you do, you know what kind of car you could drive? You know what kind of house you could live in? Oh, he doesn't talk to you like that? You know what the answer is? I don't care. I don't care. He's worthy of more than I'm giving. He's worthy of more lavish than, I, than I'm expressing. Don't try to manipulate me with that thinking because he's worthy of the best and all that we can bring him. And Mary recognized it that day in that house of the leper. Amen. Could you imagine Jesus is sitting in the house of a leper? while people are in the palace trying to figure out a way to kill him and make it look good. Mm. See what Judas failed to remember when he made that statement? Look at this great waste. Is He forgot who he was talking about because Lazarus is in the house. And this isn't Mary, the woman of ill repute. This is Mary, Lazarus' sister. And I'm sure that Mary heard that in the back of her, her peripheral hearing. Oh, what a great waste. thinking huh, you don't understand this was really something that should have already be, had to be poured out on Lazarus but because Jesus walked by and showed up in my darkest hour I've still got the oil and I choose to put it on him because he blocked what I should have had to pour it I'm telling you, this house is filled with situations where we should have had to expend ourselves and we should be poured out already. We should be emptied out. But the Lord came along and he blocked it. He healed it. He put it back together. And now I've got a reason to pour it out on him. Amen. Because he blocked what I should have had to use it on. I've now got something to bring to him. I'm in the house today because Jesus came and he blocked something that was very life-impacting and altering. Yeah. That ointment. She probably would have had to at least sell it if she didn't pour it on Lazarus just to survive, because Lazarus in those days represented the breadwinning and the income for the household. But Jesus came by and resurrected their hopes, their dreams, their provision, and now she has it to give anyway. What has the Lord blocked in your life? that has allowed you to be in the position you're in. Oh, well, I'm good at money managing. I'm good at this. I'm good. No, if you weren't touched by the mercy of God, if God had not blocked what would have drained you and consumed you and taken everything from you, you wouldn't have it to give today. So it all belongs to him. I've come with some ointment today. I've come with a bottle, amen, to break and to pour on him because he's worthy. Amen, he preserved it. He's kept me and he's been my closest friend. She gave it to the one that deserved it. And because she was willing to do it, Jesus said, let me tell you all something. What she has done in this house today is more impressive than anything that I've seen. Tell me another place in the Bible where Jesus said, this woman's going to be recognized throughout all time. This act is going to be preached about wherever the gospel's preached about. Here we are in 2022 and a woman we have no idea, we never met her, but because she chose to worship in her dysfunction, Jesus recognized it and said, ah, I've never seen anything like this. I don't know if there's a Mary in the house, but I'm going to just open this altar up for us to come. And to bring ourselves to the lord and bring our bottle bring our life break our heart over i'm not talking about broken hearts as in sorrowful i'm talking about broken hearts of worship broken hearts of lavish worship expressions that say god if it had not been for you Amen. Quit waiting for all the conditions to be perfect. You may never have perfect conditions in this world probably is getting worse than better, but in the face of it all, Lord, you're worthy. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I pour myself out on you. God, you're worthy of everything I have you're the reason I sing you're the reason Lord I'm in the house today God I shouldn't be here today but I'm here because you came by one day and you visited my house and you changed my trajectory God you gave me hope when I was hopeless Lord you put life back in my darkest hour and I worship you today Let's just spend some time. Maybe if you're physically able you want to kneel, just kneel at his feet. Pour that oil on his head. Pour your worship on his head. It's not too much. Don't worry. Somebody may criticize. It's okay. Amen. But God's going to take note of your worship today.